everybody to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Friday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer experience. So grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. Welcome everybody to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. I am with, as I always am, as I always will be, as long as she'll tolerate me, Caitlin Postal. <laughs> That was uh, that was intense, Brian. I'm here today. I'll be here tomorrow, at least as far as I can tell. <laughs> Sipping and shipping. Let's get it. After that, after that, no more guarantees. No, no. She's an episode no. by episode contract. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> awesome. All right, and we have our very special guest, Nima from Shippo. Nemo, welcome. Hi, folks. Thanks for having me. Now, appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know. Giving us, giving us, dropping us some knowledge on Parcel and and the world of of Parcel, and there's a, there's a lot of intricacies there. And you know, why don't you give us give the the audience a little bit of background on yourself and uh, you know where you came from um, and what you have going on right now at Shippo. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm I'm an operator, uh, a founder, and an investor. Uh, I've spent you know more than a decade in, or decade plus now, I guess in uh, the venture ecosystem. Uh, I spent time at Groupon pre and post IPO. Um, and, and you know, I've done two tours of duty at Shippo, one very early on when we had actually first started uh, and one again since uh, for the last three years. In between, I did a tour of duty uh, in, in uh, venture directly working with Ben Narison, who's now general partner of Tenacity, uh, uh, ventures and uh, Bryce Roberts at uh, OATV doing NDVC at the time, and then I actually, you know, started my own DDC brand. Uh, tried to do self fulfillment. Learned how hard that is uh, firsthand. Still have the brand on the side, albeit running poorly uh, because I'm spending most of my time on partnerships at Chippo. Yeah, there's nothing easy about being a startup. No. And there, there are some that can make it look easy. I think there are some that just sort of get lucky. Even, even as someone who'd been, you know, I've spent most of, especially the last ten plus years, specifically in e-commerce and shipping, logistics infrastructure. Even with that background, having started a DDC brand, you know, you don't, you don't. No one starts a brand saying, "I want to get in fulfillment." Right. Right. You just want to do the thing that you were passionate about. You want to make the thing that you were passionate about. But then you find out that uh, fulfillment ends up taking, I don't know, some days more than half of your time. And thank God there are solutions for that now. Yes. I wonder who those solutions could be. <laughs> no shameless plugs. No shameless yeah, yeah, plugs. Sorry. But, but Nima, that D2C brand, the passion there was soccer, right? If I remember correctly, right. which as a soccer player myself, can you tell us? So we do work with a lot of startups and would like to think that startups listen to Sippin' and Shippin'. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that startup uh, expertise or just tipping your toe in that has helped or gave you some perspective on the shipping world? Honestly, it, it's made me so, so much more sympathetic. Um, yeah. There's there's something about, you know, having other entrepreneur friends who, who are building physical products and selling it and they're telling you about the pain, but there's nothing like the physical back pain of self-fulfilling, <laughs> like a hundred things in one day. Yeah, <laughs> or, 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 or right. going back to the pitch after 10 years and, and trying to have a kick around. 100%, I mean, honestly, <sighs> visualizing 300 boxes 
and a second bedroom and 300 pieces of product. And then, you know, all the, all the kidding stuff that, you know, you guys do. So like, you want to have thank you cards in your, in your box. You want to have, you want to put a pin in your box. You know, I, I recently sat uh, next to an entrepreneur on a plane randomly. We started talking about fulfillment. She has a brand and she was, you know, from her perspective, she's sort of saying how the, some of the problems she's having with her 3PL and I'm telling her the sort of unit economics of how hard it is to actually run a fulfillment business. And by the end of it, she had so much sympathy. Right. She really did, right? Yep. Because from one perspective, you're like, God, I'm working so hard. I just want to sell my stuff. Right. Why can't you just ship it on time? I'm like, look, there's all this stuff that goes into it. To you, it's just a cost. But imagine if you had to house all those boxes. Imagine if you had to get warehouse space. Imagine if you had to hire an employee. Imagine if you had to write those handwritten notes. Doing it yourself was probably the only time in the, in the brand's existence where you were pissed when you came in and there were more orders. You're like, I'm crying. I can't stand this. Stop ordering. I swear to God, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I ended up asking not just my wife, but like three friends to come through to be like, guys, I can't. Like physically, I can't. It's something we hear often, especially in that space, about just reaching that tipping point and how the logistics infrastructure really plays into the scalability of an e-commerce brand. Let me ask you, who were using who were you using as your label by provider back then? Shippo. You were. I mean, I do this own. Like, you know, Simon and Laura, my friends, I can't. You know, I can't. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, however, uh, knowing what I know now, uh, if you know, not that business is sort of a hobby on the side now, but. If, if I was really spending more time in trying to scale that business, uh, there's zero reasons why I wouldn't be working with, you know, someone like a whiplash to actually help me fulfill. Because there's, I mean, this actually sort of segues into a broader conversation that I really don't think we talk enough about in our industry. And I say industry broadly, like whether it's shipping or fulfillment or e-commerce generally, which is uh, skew level margins. It's not a sexy topic, but like the only way somebody can have a sustainable growing business in e-commerce, you have to have the skew level margins to be able to even stomach a shipping cost, let alone a packaging cost, let alone outsourcing your fulfillment to a third party logistics so that you can focus more on selling and scaling your business. But if, if you're screen printing some art piece on the same exact, you know, black and white hoodie that everybody buys off of Alibaba for, you know, 16 bucks, unless you're selling it for a hundred dollars, you're not going to have the margins to be able to outsource fulfillment and really scale your operations. Or, you know, you need to have a different strategy of saying, okay, I'm going to have five SKUs like this SKU, I have the margins and I can wholesale. Therefore, that I can outsource fulfillment to, and I'm going to do a lot of volume on that one. And then these two, you know, I'm willing to take a less than 50% gross margin on, mm -hmm. and I'll do less volume, and maybe I'll self-fulfill because I'll only sell 30 of them a month. Right. It's, We're in the business of volume. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But, you know, it's an interesting challenge and dilemma that I think a lot of these brands find themselves in. And, and if they're not paying attention... And to your point, they're, because they're maybe too busy, focused on areas that are not core competency, like fulfillment or other areas, these things get missed. And then next thing you know, you're you're, you're going back and you're looking at your your P and L and saying, "Oh my God, what am I doing?" 
and I'm yeah. doing all this. I'm spinning my wheels and I'm not making any money or at least making any traction moving forward. Exactly. And it's wild when people don't know those things, right? They don't know what's driving that or they're just arbitrarily throwing out price points where they're going to offer free shipping, not really knowing where are those SKUs that are driving that. Or what are what is your hero skew? And I think that sometimes people get a little taken aback when you start digging and asking the questions, and they don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, so that's always very surprising to me. At least from a, a warehouse perspective, especially a sophisticated operation like like Whiplash, y'all deal with much larger brands, and I would say those folks they have a certain level of sophistication that maybe the long tail of sellers don't have. So the Shippo's business, we have a platform side of and partnered side to our business, and then we have the direct business. On the direct side, you know, we really have all these aspirational entrepreneurs and sellers. And so often when someone starts a business, it's because, you know, Caitlin and Nemo are like, our passion is soccer. And we want to be able to tell a story. So we get started on something and you take 10 steps. And by the time you get there, all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, what about packaging? Because you didn't get in business to think about packaging or you didn't get in business to think about fulfillment. We got in business because we wanted to tell the story of soccer and we wanted to make these beautiful clothes. And so I think by the time folks get there, it's sort of a harsh reality. And, you know, sometimes it's just hard to take a step back and so I'm very sympathetic to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we get calls today from people who are saying, hey, you know, we need rates. And, and by the way, our first containers hit next Wednesday. And you're like, how did, and, and, and you realize that with everything going on for them to get to that point of launch, yeah, they are forgetting little minutia details that aren't so little or minutia, right? 100%. So yeah, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's something that is why I think more so today than ever before, there is outsourcing. And people are just saying, I'm going to give this all up as soon as I can because I just can't do it. It's taking away from my core competency. We're seeing it more and more too. I mean, just straight up data points of how many businesses come through Shippo. Our core product is we're an API as a technology, but the front facing side of what people see is this web app. And they're asking us for fulfillment partners because, right. you know, that side of our business, you know, we don't do the fulfillment. It's yep. folks, folks like y'all. So. You know, I think it's just hard. It's hard because there's no education. There's no standard education in terms of you want to make a wool jacket. Genuinely, you have to think about the sheep in New Zealand, <laughs> the farmer, and then that wool is going to go to a factory in Thailand to get spun up into fabric. And then that fabric is going to get put on a ship and it's going to go to the port of LA. And then from port of LA, it's going to get on a truck and go to a warehouse. But you know, they don't they don't tell you that when you're starting a business. They're like, hey, set up a Shopify store. Godspeed. Go go start your business. Um, exactly right. Exactly right. But and, look, and the, best, the best entrepreneurs break through that. And those are the wonderful stories, right? Like Headley and Bennett is a customer of yours. Like yep. God, her story is incredible. Yes. And, and and you know, they they had to persevere through through the pandemic when the restaurants were all closed and 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 they've done a great job navigating those waters. And you know, I I think a part of being an entrepreneur is being able to learn on the fly and pivot when you need to. And and if you're if you're caught somewhere and you're stuck, not being afraid to raise your hand and say, I need some help. And thankfully there's more help than ever before. You know, I think one thing 
that sort of keeps me up at night, especially when, when we talk about logistics infrastructure in the U.S., is actually warehouse capacity. Yeah. You know, when I talk to some of the executives uh, on your team and, and some of my friends who are executives at other companies, constantly everyone is thinking about capacity shortage, right? Prologis, Amazon's biggest landlord, uh, recently reported their earnings and their CEOs come out and said, right now, and a little self-serving because that's their business, but I, you know, as industry people, we know it's true. He's saying there's an 800 million square feet shortage of warehouse space in the U.S. right now. Now, you know, part of that maybe is more, you know, grade A buildings. Sure, there's like, you know, grade B and grade C and you sure. can find places with shorter uh, ceilings and all that. Yeah. But, um, and we know like the shortage in the next four years is almost 2x that. Like you can't build these facilities fast enough because the, to your point, people are coming. The demand is there. We actually just don't have it all set up. Right. And interestingly enough, I was speaking to somebody about, so you have this shortage. Now we're doing so much in the in the e-commerce space and so many of our brands have a, a low skew depth, a lot of SKUs, low skewed quantity depth. So we go very horizontal. So we could add levels, we could go mezzanine, pick tower. Well, the cost of steel is still so high. I was having a conversation with somebody who did an analysis. It, it's like $75 a foot to build a mezzanine it's $90 a foot to build a building. Yeah, might as well just build another building. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's just they can't build them fast enough. And to your, to your point, Nemo, I mean, what we're finding throughout the country, like what we paid in California on a, on a new lease three and a half years ago, we're paying that now so far east in California. It's amazing. And it's just, and it, that's not going to change. It may level. I don't think it's going to go back. Not until we get caught up. I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it feels like Ohio and Utah have are just warehouse space, right? Do yes. Live in those states? <laughs> no, they, actually, they do. You know what? We're three warehouses deep in Columbus right now. I know. And I, I'll tell you what, we we are really, really enjoying the market out there, and it's it's been it's it's really been a pleasure. Like the teams that we've built out there, our our group. And Caitlin, you're supposed to yell at me because I'm shamelessly plugging you in. But um, <laughs> our, our group out there, no, it's our relevant. leadership. Yeah, it is. Uh, so our leadership team out there has done a great job of building a culture, yeah. and there and there's a lot of people that are looking and, and eager for employment. So we've 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 really enjoyed that market, and and it makes sense for e-commerce brands to be middle of the country, either single oh, node or or dual node. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Ohio, Nevada, Atlanta, Chicago, Midwest, Utah. Right. Just naming exactly. all the spots where taking down buildings, Nima. Yes. <laughs> Funny how that works, right? I, it sure. Yes. It, I, I know it. I know it. When I see those P and Ls come through, I see it. We just got to keep pitching it. But it's funny, right? Because people try and they they want to outsource their fulfillment because they want to scale. So they yep. they try and be nimble, but it's not cheap, and it's not cheap because of these things that you're alluding to. So so what do what do merchants do? I mean, we just have to sit them next to you on a plane and get that sympathy <laughs> ear going so that they just love us. I think I think that's it. I think so much of it is just honestly being able to understand each other's business, and I think so often in, uh, especially in you know, it's a competitive landscape uh, when a brand goes out to try to find a 3PL. They're typically going into an RFP. They're typically not comparing apples to apples because different providers provide different things in different size warehouses. People have different scales. 
and honestly, that's that's the part where uh, we're actively trying to, especially from a partner perspective, helping our partners and and brands be better matches for each other. So, like, we know where this warehouse's um, strengths are, especially you know, again with you guys, we know you have the ability to handle diversity in SKUs, high SKU count. Not every 3PL operation has that ability. So when we see someone like that, we see it truly as our duty to help them. If we can help an entrepreneur and, and her team sort of short circuit that painful process, then everybody's just going to be happier because we're sort of acting as a yenta and just making sure the best match is made. Right. Um, 100%. I'm just happy that it was a her, that the entrepreneur was a her. So I love that, Nima. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> well, the person I sat next to was a her. Was right, a her. right, right, right. <laughs> And so we, we, you know, you also have the play now with carriers. And so, so just why don't you give the audience a little bit who may not be familiar with Shippo of, of who Shippo is and what they do. So Shippo is a is an API company. We're an infrastructure, very very similar to folks like Stripe and Twilio. You know, we're a vertical API. We do one thing and we try to do it as exceptionally well as we can. Mm-hmm. That one thing that we do is parcel shipping. So we have two sides to our business. There's a there's a direct side to our business where we work directly with SMBs. And then there's the other side of our business, which is we serve as infrastructure for platforms and logistics infrastructure players. So this is anyone from Shopify shipping, where Shippo is the native rails, the same way there's Shopify payments, and that's Stripe. Shopify shipping is now Shippo. To peer-to-peer marketplaces, so folks like Goat, the sneaker app marketplace, or Mercari, you know, the secondhand marketplace, to folks like Whiplash and ShipHero, like a WMS and a warehouse. So, in that way, we really try to serve as the shipping infrastructure for e-commerce broadly. Whenever we get into conversations about who Shippo's ICP is, my answer is always anyone who sells on the internet. It just depends how you're fulfilling. <laughs> If you're figs, uh, you might not know who Shippo is, but the institution that you're using, Shippo's the infrastructure for them. Right. And if you're Nima's soccer brand, then mm-hmm. you're using Shippo's web app and trying to not break your back. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and and who are who are the carriers that that Shippo is are connected to and that they're acting? I guess it's a middleware. Is that correct? In some ways, yeah, we're a connector. So yes, you know. For us, <laughs> the carriers that we have ultimately is driven by uh, our customers' usage. Mm-hmm. There's no point in us integrating a carrier that no one will use. Right. So uh, historically, the way we, we've gone about it, look, if, if you're on the long tail, if you are Nemo soccer shop, in all likelihood, you're just using USPS or you're just basically using one carrier because right. you're not at a scale yet or sophistication to need more than one carrier. But as soon as you look at any sort of platform or 3PL, well, then that mix quickly changes. Yep. So we very much see ourselves as servants to our customers. So if our customer says, hey, I need carrier X, Y, and Z, then it's our job, our duty to go make that available to our partners. Mm-hmm. Again, like taking a very, very real example, you know, working with your team, last year uh, there was a request for a middle mile orchestrator that we did not have, but it was a carrier that was vetted by your team. You know, the demand was there. Your customers wanted that specific solution. So we went and integrated that carrier and made it available. 
and that's that's very important to us. And you know, actually, your SVP of e-commerce and VP Parcel, who are good friends, you know, we were talking about how this year we're actually adding two more middle mile orchestrators. And it was sort of a point of pride for me to be able to go to you know my colleagues and be like, hey guys, we actually have even redundancy for you now. So if your customers start using this carrier and for whatever reason in peak, if that carrier hits capacity, here's two more that you can rely on. So you can still meet the SLAs that you've promised your customers and ultimately them to the consumers who are buying from them. So that's at the core of it. That's what we live and breathe for to make sure that we can meet the standards that you all have for your customers. And, and when you say middle carrier, that middle carrier is is more of like a regional provider? Yeah, you know, I, I sort of call these folks the nouveau regionals. So right. not not so much your laser ships and on tracks in that traditional way. Yep. Uh, but, you know, they'll, they'll use same and next day delivery folks for the first mile. They'll do the middle mile orchestration. So sometimes that means, you know, buying excess capacity on a plane to take it on a plane from location A to B. Uh, sometimes it means, you know, it gets, it goes into a sort center, then it gets injected DDU into postal. A lot of times that's what ends up happening. And, you know, th this is a very interesting conversation broadly, but a lot of these folks have come to play, especially given the last two years mm -hmm. and the, the power of the existing oligopoly of the carriers in the United States. So you, know, you have the Postal Service, UPS, and FedEx. They very much benefited from having infrastructure in place. So they've had tremendous pricing power in that time, right? UPS just recently reported their earnings that parcel volume was down 3%, but revenues were up, you know, 9.5%. Well, how does that work? So if you have incredible pricing power, that, you know. Right. But that's given birth to many, many competitors who are coming in. Yep. So a lot of these middle mile orchestrators are directly going after, you know, FedEx ground and UPS grounds business. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Caitlin. Now we're just getting more and more folks looking for those solutions. And it sounds like you're, so are you proactively going out and building those partnerships or is it, how are you maintaining those? Absolutely. April of, April of 2020, myself and a few, few folks within Shippo, it was sort of our aha moment that, mm -hmm. oh my God, there's going to be capacity constraints. Like right. we are mm -hmm. new, you know, the three of us just started talking about how much capacity shortage there is, but we, everyone's in the industry's known this, like this, right. was, this was just accelerated by COVID. Yes. That capacity constraint existed before COVID. So that was our cue to immediately go and try to add as much redundancy to the system as we could add, mm -hmm. sure that folks can at least even stitch together pieces of the journey of a package, right? And if someone is sophisticated enough to have, say, at least four or five warehouses strategically placed around the country, then you really can stitch it together and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to use this. And again, I'm just making this up, but I'm going to use, you know, Nima on his bike for the first mile to take it to, you know, a sort center. Then, you know, Postal is going to, you know, put it on a plane and take it somewhere else. And then Axel Hire is going to do, you know, the, the, the same day, next day delivery once it arrives in Boston or wherever it goes. So that's, that's been what's been fascinating for us to, to watch. Now, look, the, the big three and really, 
you know, big four at this point with Amazon, they still have tremendous power and they still dominate the market mm -hmm. in terms of pure volume. But what used to be that 10% that was the other, that other is gaining ground and it's gaining ground meaningfully. Yeah. Well, I would imagine, uh, you know, what is it? The, uh, Necessity is the mother of invention, or in this case, innovation, right? And so you had a point in time, you know, I could I could almost picture the 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 board of directors for UPS and FedEx in in January of 2020, or even or even December of 2019, when they were talking about building out infrastructure. They're like, eh, we have time. And then next thing you know, a year became like a five-year acceleration growth in 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 12 months, and now. They don't have capacity. They're turning away business. They don't really want to be fair in the negotiations process. Now, uh, you know, again, uh, being somewhat sympathetic to their position, they were fighting through and they had their labor con uh, constraints yes. and capacity yes. constraints as well. But something's got to give, and that just accelerated the growth of these uh, of these middle mile brands, as you call them. And and can you give us some names? Just you know, some of the names that are out there that are the, the growing players. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I think Airterra is super interesting. I think in general, what American Eagle, like we could have a whole session on American Eagle. I think what they're doing is very interesting mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a brand. Um, I think uh, X Delivery is another one. Uh, we're looking to get Airterra live. Pandian is another one, which is actually founded by a um, former Amazon and Walmart e-commerce executive. We're just seeing more and more of these. And look, from, from Shippo's perspective, as much as the, the SMB is our customer, as much as the 3PLs and warehouses are our customers, carriers are also our customers. We very much have this sort of demand and supply. We're, in many ways, we're a marketplace. So the carriers are the supply side of our marketplace. So for us, diversity in shipping options, we, we view it as a good thing for the market. And hopefully the carriers can actually focus on and really zoom in on what is their strength? Mm -hmm. So if you have the infrastructure, if you have the planes, if you have the trucks, where are the areas that you actually excel, right? There are many, many, many growing regional carriers, you know, whether it's UDS or Better Trucks or Grand Husky. I mean, these folks are, people are really investing in infrastructure because they're seeing the demand. And where they're seeing that is super fascinating because, you know, there's a whole category of consumables. Uh, Uber Postmates is doing a lot of this, right? This is getting your medicine to you same day or getting an Apple Watch to you same day. There's like that category of folks that's very consumable based. And then, you know, there's the traditional parcel, like, you know, you order headphones and mm -hmm. do you want that in zero to three days? Do you want it in two to seven days? Do you want it in seven plus days? I think those carriers just enable you as a brand to provide that optionality. Yes. And optionality is is the name of the game. I mean, sincerely, that's the name of the game. Yep. No, I, I agree. And I, I think choices and seeing how that market shakes out over the next few years is going to be very interesting um, because I think there are some great players. And I, I, I agree with you. I think with American Eagle as an example, as to, that was an interesting play, but it makes a lot of sense when you start to think about it and what they're trying to accomplish um, in, in a in a parcel market that did not have the infrastructure to continue to grow at the, at the pace that it was that it needed to. Yes, very, very impressed truthfully by their leadership team and how they're thinking about it. You know, again, as a brand, now you have to have, you know, going back, you know, we're talking about 
smaller businesses having the operational and financial wherewithal. I mean, these folks really have the operational chops and the financial wherewithal. So as a brand, in many ways, they've insourced logistics. I mean, they're the only brand I know that's actually increased forecast. Right. Um, right. And a lot of it has to do with them insourcing. But, you know, not not everybody can insource, you know, not not everybody can go and buy a warehouse and buy a carrier. Amazon. <laughs> exactly right. And I, I've had conversations with Shaker over at uh, American Eagle, yes. and he's, he's, he's got, I, I, there's there's definitely a vision there that they are working on. Yes. Which, which is exciting. Yes. Amazing. Caitlin, anything else that we didn't cover? No, I think we covered a lot. This was fantastic. I mean, really, really enjoyed this conversation. And, you know, the, again, for this, for the space and the audience that we're targeting for this, for this podcast, I think this is uh, chock full of a lot of valuable information. First and foremost, don't bust your back. Right. <laughs> I know better now. And I have right. friends. Exactly. <laughs> and by the way, this is the first time I've ever been sorry that we're only doing an audio podcast because your background, which is not a filter, by the way, is fantastic. I can I can send you all a picture so we can like yeah without me in it because this is way prettier than <laughs> let's do it yeah <laughs> amazing all right Nima thank from Shippo so thank you me. it was fantastic really appreciate you coming on and uh, hopefully we can we can find some other topics to have you on again down the road would love that amazing all right Caitlin you want to carry us out sure thank you Nima and thank you everyone for tuning in check us out at sippinandshipping.com or on your favorite podcast platform thank you everybody. Thanks, Thank you. Bye.